Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey, 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 guys, it's another Sunday night, and it's time for another episode of the Brain Love Podcast. This is Dr. Delvina, the queen of brain love, and every Sunday night I come on at 8 p.m. This has been going on for over a year. I began this podcast in May 2020 during the height of the pandemic, and um, I like to share information about the brain, everything under the umbrella of the brain. I love to share it. It could be a talk about depression. Last week we talked about breast cancer. Briefly, I interviewed uh, Miss Camille, and she talked about, um, a, you know, very briefly her her struggles with um, having breast cancer for the fourth time. If you haven't listened to that episode, please listen and keep her in your prayers. The week before that, I had a, a very interesting conversation with a mindfulness coach for a couple of weeks. And so it's just different things to try to educate people. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and share this podcast with friends and family so they too can augment their knowledge base in mental health and wellness. Tonight, tonight uh, we are talking about marriages. Marriage Makeover is the name of this um, is this episode, and uh, it's because it's a panel, a marriage panel, go figure, I'm divorced, but I was asked to be on this panel discussing marriage. Miss um, Michelle Shirley is the CEO for Be Strong International. She asked me to participate on the panel because um, they wanted to discuss marriages. What they do in her uh, nonprofit is they help couples to maintain and sustain healthy, successful marriages, and I love it. I initially interviewed her for 99 Jams Community Matters, and, you know, we've been in touch, and she asked me to be a panelist for them. Be Strong International, look it up, guys. So I was on with a couple of other folks. A pastor was included, and two other mental health specialists were included on this panel as well. Um, And we are all brown folks. We're all melanated people. And so um, there were a lot of interesting perspectives. We had a nice mix of information. Jerome Washington was one of the mental health professionals. He is a licensed mental health counselor. He's a black male. He's here in South Florida. He's in Coral Springs. If you're ever looking for a black male therapist, he is one of the folks I refer to. So since meeting him on this panel. All righty, guys. So when this episode begins, we're going right into the, the panel discussion. The introductions were kind of cut out, so this isn't too lengthy. And uh, we go right into the questions. There's a gentleman who's moderating the discussion. It's not my voice you're going to hear the entire time, but the moderator, myself, and three other panelists. So I hope you enjoy this. It's called Marriage Makeover. Enjoy. Okay. So this is how it's going to go. All right. I will be asking you all questions and you're going to have a few minutes to be able to answer. Some questions may be directed to some of you specifically. Other questions are going to be wide open for all of you to answer. Okay. After we finish asking our questions that we have here, we're also going to open it up to the floor and to Zoom as well. So any other questions they have, we'll ask you those as well. You are ready? All right. The only one thing I want to remind you is to keep your microphones closed so that way we can hear in the back and through Zoom as well. And then make sure yeah, your, your mic should be on. You just If you tap the light, it should turn green. We got it? Good. All right. Can I get an amen if your mic works? Amen. All right. Oh, there we go. Wait, that doesn't count. That was Jillian. You got me. All right. We're good. We got our mics. Hold it down, if anything. Hold it down. And then... They're perfect. Perfect. Okay. So the first question that I want to ask, what is the biggest issue that you have seen in married couples? And whoever wants to go first, you can go ahead. This is for everybody. What is the biggest issue that you have seen in married couples? 
You can go ahead, Salima. Um, I think all of us may have different um, perspectives, but one of the biggest issues is communication. Oh, awesome. Okay. Anybody else would like to answer what is one of the biggest issues that you have seen? I'll just add effective communication because people don't really know how to, to listen. People love to talk and hear themselves make a point, but then they don't listen to their partner. And also once they listen, they're not executing. Okay, awesome. Reverend Johnson? Alongside um, communication, I would say effective financial planning um, is probably one of the biggest things outside of communication because um, in the, each individual, especially for husband and wife, they were both single before. They both had their individual habits of how they manage finances and now two is now trying to become one and they have their different perceptions of how they ought to manage their finances effectively according to how they grew up, where they came from and things of that nature. Thank you. Thank you. Jerome, what about you? Uh, I would definitely echo what else has said uh, in regards to communication, but uh, the, another aspect that I've seen that has branched out caused several problems is uh, just a lack of regard the lack of regard and the, the lack of the time spent together, it ends up just deteriorating more and more pieces of the marriage. So, and one of those pieces is communication. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much for, for that. So we're gonna move on to the next question, all right? So this one is gonna be a little bit more geared towards Salima and, and Dr. Thomas, okay? As a military spouse, what were some of the challenges presented in your marriage? So I know that you are, the spouse of an active military member, and you were the, mil the active military member, Dr. Thomas. So whichever one of you two would like to answer first, what were the biggest challenges that you faced? Well, just to clarify, um, my, I've been married before I'm divorced. Okay. And so initially my spouse was active duty military. Um, I joined the military a few years after we married. So I'm still in, uh, but as I said, I'm divorced. Um, some of the challenges that we had really didn't have much to do with the military. Um, I treat a lot of military couples. I've been deployed three times. And so I've done a lot of relationship counseling during deployments. And um, for those couples, the issues are the communication, the financial um, situations that they have. The difficulty that I had in my marriage, just being forthcoming and straightforward, is that we married, we married young. I married in college. And so you don't know what you don't know. And I realized that our personalities just, he had a personality disorder. And the more I became um, educated and versed in mental health and wellness, I realized that he had a disorder that I could not help him remedy. And so for me, that was my, that's my personal story as to why it didn't work out as a military couple. Thank you so much for your transparency as well. So Salima, what about you? What were some challenges that you faced? Um, initially, what was really challenging was the number of deployments. So being separated from my husband and just really being concerned about him um, and just the, the moving. Right now, we are excited about relocating. We think of it as an adventure, but um, early on, it was really difficult to adjust. Um, but when we uh, met some of the military community, our church community, um, we 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 settled in pretty well. But just him being gone and the uncertainty of uh, the life of uh, military personnel was that was challenging and moving. Oh, thank you so much for answering. So, Dr. Thomas, you did bring up a point. It was going to be one of my later questions, but. Um, I do also understand that somebody on this table actually married at a very young age. So I wanted to ask, right? And I think we know who it was, right? So Reverend Johnson, I actually wanted to ask you, what are the challenges or benefits of marrying young? And also that will go for everybody else, but I want to start off with you, Reverend Johnson. I would say if I was to say benefits, I'll start with benefits first. Benefits is I would not want to be married at this age and go through half of the challenges I went through when I first got married. Um, being married at an early age, it was interesting because, you know, you're excited. I'm getting out of my parents' home. I'm moving from Florida all the way to the United Kingdom. So that was an exciting adventure all by itself. I'm looking at a young lady that um, I've actually known her since I was 13 years old, actually. 
Um, and just by, I met up back with her when I was at age 21, I saw her. Um, and when she saw me, she won't, she won't tell you the truth about this part, but she, she just knew I was the one. I, I hope you, all right. If you're watching right now, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but the reality of it is the challenges of marrying, um, at an early age is that I came straight from my parents' home into marriage. I didn't get an opportunity to live by myself, to cook by myself, to, to just do a whole lot of things that were just me, to get to know me. I just threw my, my mother cuddling type, you know, just being with my mother straight into um, marriage. And what ended up happening is I expected in the beginning stages for my wife to almost be my mother. And um, I know there's some men in here still like that. So don't, 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 don't act like anyway, <laughs> but, 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 but the reality of the situation, I had to learn, a very, I had to learn very quickly. Yeah. I had to learn very quickly that, that, you know what, she, she's my wife. She's not my mother. And um, half of our arguments was because I wanted things to happen my way and she wanted things to happen her way. And I, you know, I came into the marriage and I'm like, we're going shopping. And I'm telling her that this is what my mother bought. My mother bought this type of butter. She bought this type of sugar. We going to do. And then she just asked me one question to shut me up. She said, well, who's cooking? <laughs> and, and, and so it, it's, it was fun, but it was frustrating. Um, because it was a lot of different maturing and just trying to grow up and just trying to be a man when I was still trying to mature from being a boy. Thank you very much. And I also see, uh, Jerome, I see you nodding your head as well. So I want to also ask you the question, um, either from your experience in a practice or personal experience, what are some of the challenges you have experienced or seen from marrying at a young age? Uh, I would say some of the challenges I've seen, uh, several, I, I think a lot of people who marry young uh, really need to take a chance to listen to all the things that their, their family has told them and shown them because hopefully they have that role model. Some people do, some people don't. But if you take into account what you've seen from your parents or even a single parent home, look at the unconditional love. Now, I know a lot of people say, oh, unconditional, unconditional. It, when you get married, you have to understand it's two individuals choosing to be one. Picture two trees growing in the forest. They do not grow in the same direction. They do not grow next to each other. They just grow. If you tie them together and they stay together, they will continue to grow together. People who are young, from the benefit side, people who are young don't know that, but they have that fire. Look at teenagers, the parents, you got to keep them apart. They got that fire. They want to see this young man. They want to see this young lady. That's fantastic. They keep that going because they see each other. They date each other. Loser. Okay. Uh, so if you see, if you see younger people, you'll see them holding hands, walking. Uh, we can see them walking down the street. Sometimes they try to hug each other and walk together and they can't keep their hips from hitting each other. But uh, that's just something you'll see, but they date. When you get to older couples, they become what we call marital roommates. And once you become a roommate, you become a roommate. Is this bill paid? Did you take care of this? Did you take care of that? Okay, thank you. And that's why I talked about earlier about the regard. You lose it and you start to develop a lack of regard for that person and treat them like they're a roommate. Granted, your partner should be your friend, but when you treat them just like a friend, you take them out of that wife category and you put them in a category with your friends. And when you do that, you stop having the regard. You lose the respect. You stop dating. You stop loving them the right way. And you love them like a friend. So that's what I've seen. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much for that. Okay. So obviously these past almost two years have been very challenging for a lot of people. It has been very different. So I wanted to ask, um, how has the pandemic affected the couples that you have actually worked with? Um, and in particular, has it been any intimacy issues as well? If, the, if you would like to expand on that as well. So whichever one of you would like to answer first. Um, I've seen uh, both spectrums. I've seen where um, the pandemic has brought couples closer together 
um, they become creative, they find new ways to do the things that they once enjoyed or enjoyed prior to the pandemic. So I've seen that, but I've also seen on the flip side that they're spending too much time together Correct. <laughs> where um, they are maybe getting on each other's nerves or um, just in each other's space for too long where prior to the pandemic, you know, they would leave the home and go to work. And so they would have that time outside of one another. And so to the point of the, uh, of my fellow panelists, you know, we are individuals, you know, um, choosing to um, uh, come together in unity. And so when we don't have that space to be uh, who we are, you know, who God created us to be, then we become irritable, you know, frustrated, um, annoyed, all of those things. So I've seen both. I've seen both sides where the pandemic has um, uh, positively and negatively affected uh, marriage. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Reverend Johnson, go ahead. The pandemic, what, I, what I've seen has been a great revealer to determine whether couples like one another or not. Um, so, because there's so many things that has taken place, you know, people uh, before the pandemic, you get up, you go to work, you take care of the children, you, you go to, you deal with your business. You know what I mean? You go to church, you do all of these type of, you chill out with your boys, you chill out with your girls, you do all type of different things. Now you're stuck in a house 24 sevens, 365 days a year for the last 18 months looking on one another, you know, I mean, it's some things that, that couples have seen of their, their significant others, they've never seen in the 30 years of marriages, they've, they've probably been, um, while they've been married, and the reality of the situation is I've seen it on both sides, where I've seen some couples come together, and they've really bonded together. They've really, they've really started. I've seen some couples start businesses together, things, talents, creative creativity inside of them that they've never moved into. They've absolutely moved into. Then I, on the other side, I've seen couples get violent with one another because they're spending so much time. They, 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 they never really work because what it, what the pandemic did is really start, it, it caused certain areas inside certain couples to spill out. Like their communication wasn't that great the way they thought the communication was. Like they, they, they begin to reveal, they begin to see certain habits that they never saw. So the pandemic has been good for some and has been bad for others. Um, but I, I believe it's been a time that couples, whether they've been going through a bad experience or good experience, I think they've realized that they that they need needed probably counseling or to work on their marriage more than they've ever worked on it before. Awesome. Thank you. Anybody else would like to answer? How has the pandemic affected? I'll just add just to piggyback on what um, the Reverend said. A lot of people are not good in engaging conflict. They don't know how to. Um, people don't know how to address challenges or problems. And prior to the pandemic, people had an excuse to use, I have to work. I gotta work Saturday, I gotta work Sunday, I gotta work 16 hours. So they spend all their time at work. They don't come home. They don't have those hard conversations that they should have with their mate with their spouse, but during the pandemic, it forced people to engage conflict and confrontation and to really deal with their issues. Um, and for some couples, unfortunately, it may have ended um, in a negative way because by having to um, not fake it anymore and to be real and to be honest, and as Reverend said, um, come to terms with the reality of their relationship and may have ended so the pandemic has really brought a lot of truths to light for a lot of couples. <clears throat> if I can just obviously echo the sentiments of all three up here. Um, I'm, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna take your mic. I can't borrow it, is that okay? Yeah. I gotta put my mask on. You, I'm okay, okay. Uh, the two things that I've pretty much noticed the most and I can be a little transparent here for you all. Um, is love and creativity. And they've gone, I've seen them go both ways. Um, when it comes down to creativity, like the Reverend said, being in a house for a year and 18 months, 
if you don't develop a different way of telling your spouse you love them, if you don't develop a different way of showing your kids you love them and you want to spend time with them, it's going to get stale real quick. And it's not going to go 18 months. It'll be a lot shorter than that. And one of the things that I've seen in my practice a lot uh, that I've seen people come to counseling for is they feel like they've run out of options. They feel like they've run out of ways. Well, there's a book we have, uh, 101 uh, Date Nights, Tips for Date Nights. And I have given that to several couples. And what I challenge them to do is take at least two of those per week and make sure you put a concerted effort into doing them. But not only doing them, surprise your partner. Don't, don't tell them what night you're doing it this week, but do it. Don't tell them where you're going. Just take them. Because when you lack that creativity, things become stale. And when things become stale, you're going to fall into a rut. And being stuck in the house together for 18 months, it can become very, very, very routine. And this leads to my next point, what I said about love. Through this pandemic, I've noticed, even in my own family, uh, I got pulled out early in the pandemic to do a lot of work with first responders, a lot of work with healthcare professionals. And uh, I was gone a lot away from my wife and from my kids. And being gone showed me a couple of things. One, for a while, I wasn't loving my wife. And I don't mean that in a physical way. I just mean she needed help at home with the kids, with everybody running wild. And I was out doing what I had to do for the family, but I wasn't at home doing what I had to do for my family. So what I realized was regardless of sometimes having to help people or accepting another shift at a hospital or being out at a distributing center, I got to say no to them, but I got to say yes to me. Now you might say, how do I say yes to me? Well, if I don't cultivate this woman, she doesn't give back to me. And if she doesn't give back to me, I have nothing to give to anybody else. So in turn, I had to make sure I had to keep cultivating her and keep cultivating her so she can cultivate our kids which gives me two aspects of love, one for my kids and one for her. But what I also saw was most people think everybody who's married loves their spouse. One thing I've seen a lot through the pandemic is a lot of people have gotten married in the last, I don't want to say how many years, because bless you guys, because you've been married for so long. Um, a lot of people have gotten married in probably the last 10 years, because 10, 15 years, because they really, really like the person. Well, let me teach you something about marriage matters. Um, there's going to be a time where your spouse doesn't like you. There's going to be a time where you don't like your spouse. But if you love each other, there's something to fall back on. You need to know that. You need to live it and understand it. Because when those times come, you have something to look forward to. But when times are good, you got something to lean on. So make sure you find, cultivate, develop, and maintain a love for your spouse. Okay. Awesome. Thank you very much. One thing you did mention was about having uh, date nights. And then a lot of people sometimes think that date nights have to, you have to spend money. And then the truth is that you don't, there's so many different things you can do, um, different creative things that you can come up with to actually keep that spark alive, which is, which is the theme for tonight. So um, I wanted to kind of uh, touch on a different subject here. I do see that the panel is where even that we, you know, as far as genders go, um, are there any gender specific issues that you have encountered? And can you provide some examples? Go ahead, Dr. Okay. Thomas. Yeah, I, you know, I'm just going to say the thing that people don't want to talk about and they're embarrassed to talk about. And I know we have young ears in the room, so I'm going to keep it very G. But um, it's difficult for some couples and that private area of their love life. And you guys know what I mean about the private area. And, um, and folks don't like to talk about it. Um, men are dissatisfied at times and they won't talk to their significant other. They won't let her know. They won't say what they want. Um, and women are the same. Women won't say to the man, you're not doing it for me anymore. It's become stale. It's boring. You're not creative and vice versa. And so that is one of the biggest things when couples come to me for couples therapy, it's what's not happening in that part of the relationship. And, and I want to respond to something you said. You mentioned loving your, your spouse. 
loving them through all things because when you don't like them, you have love. I think it's the opposite because oftentimes couples fall out of love. And oftentimes people don't know what love is. When you ask yourself, what is love? Do you truly know what love is? Do you truly understand the meaning of love? And so when you marry your friend, your best friend, the person who you like, when you do reach a moment in time when you fall out of love, because maybe you're going through something yourself personally, or maybe they're going through something, you will like them still because that's your friend. And you'll find yourself back into loving that person if you talk it out, if you talk it through. So I think the opposite, you have to to like that person. So when you fall out of love, which happens a lot in in long-term relationships, but I think one of the most common issues is in the private secret part of the relationship that I can't really say because of the, the young ears in the room. Thank you very much. I don't know if they're really paying attention, but that was a good catch. Because <laughs> later they're going to say, what, mom, what is the private area? So I, and all right, Reverend Johnson, go ahead. Would you like to answer as well? I think the late, great Tina Turner said, what does love have to do with it? Um, and I think this is so important to understand that in marriage, we will, um, there will become moments um, when you first get married, you have this puppy love thing going on and you're, you're so in love. You want to go to movies. You want to hold hands, as you were saying before, <clears throat> and you want to make things happen. And that lasts for some two weeks, for others that lasts maybe six months, for others, they may last a year. But at some point or another, if you've been married long enough, you will fall out of love. And when you fall out of love with the person, sometimes it is the hardest thing to fall in love with them again. That's why um, I'm, I'm huge. And, you know, I do marriages all the time, you know, I me mean, now two becomes one and they, they, you know, I mean who God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And, and one of the things that I realize is that when love is not around, there should be covenant between you, God, and that person. Uh, meaning that we are going, because nowadays, People don't fight for marriages the way they should. They have this thing when you go to the courtroom called irreconcilable differences. That is the terminology that people file a lot when they go to the courtroom. I always beg to differ with that simply because you had irreconcilable differences before you got married. And so you're using something that you already had a reconcilable difference for. Now it's about coming together and learning one, um, learning one another. And learning one another means you may have to study that person. You may have to do your research and like like building a business. You 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 were key in in your marketing. You marketed yourself towards that individual. You sold yourself towards that individual to the point where they married you. Now it's about continuously doing research and development to make sure that when you get to, when you get into the kitchen, it's working. When you get into the bedroom, as you said, it's still working and finding out that, oh, you like this? Yeah, I like this. And, but I think with the bedroom part, and I'll say this and I'll, I'll hand over the mic. What we have to be careful is sometimes we say, we're saying we like this in the bedroom because of our last relationship. And, and sometimes it's not fair to bring something on a significant partner because your last two girls or your last two men you were with flung your legs up like this. You know, and so you want your legs to be flung up like this. It's not really, y'all, y'all still here? Am I in the right place? <laughs> y'all, I know you got masks. <laughs> talking about wrestling moves. <laughs> you do you, you know and, and it's it's all right to fling your leg to the left and to the right but it needs to be coming from a pure place and not from the comp- competing with your last relationship and, and so it's I think it's important to verbalize what you want in the bedroom because there's certain itches that people have they want it to be itched a little bit more deeper than the other and that is okay but it is to make sure as you continue as you go that in order to keep a level of pureness in the relationship, you all discover one another together and not compared to where you've come from. Thank you, Salima, would you like to answer as well? 
yes. Um, a lot of what I see that is gender specific um, when I see couples is how they uh, communicate when it comes to, well, communication and conflict. And so this sort of goes along the lines of uh, love languages. But what I see with, um, with men is men are, and I think this is how God wired men, men are natural fixers. And so that when conflict arises, they want to fix it. If something is going on in the marriage, even outside of the marriage, that's affecting, you know, their wives, they want to fix it. Sometimes fixing it for women is just listening. And that's hard <laughs> because it's, it's counterintuitive because for men, it's like, well, how just me sitting here listening, how am I fixing it? You know, so that is something that I try to teach um, in uh, couples is is the benefit of uh, listening and validating. And that um, is in supporting. And that's uh, really, really helpful. Um, So that's one big gender difference that I see uh, when it comes to uh, men and women. Um, The other type is how we show love. Men are most most men, not all men, most men are providers. And so they believe that when they are financially taking care of the home, um, when they make sure the lawn is, is done, you know, and things of that nature, I am loving my wife the way that she needs to be loved. And for women, you know, it, it, and it, not all women, I'm not saying all men, all women, but when it comes to women, I hear a lot of well, we're not connecting, we're not being intimate and not just sexually, but um, and other, and just connecting and things of that nature. So where, where, and so men will often feel criticized, you know, when, when a woman or a female or wife's partner shares her concern, you know, it's like, I'm doing all this, I'm working and I'm, and things of that nature. And yes, they're grateful, but there's also another piece that's missing too. So that, those are, just a couple of uh, major things that I see consistently um, that that's gender specific. Women like to, uh, you know, be more intimate and connect. Um, and I think men like it too, um, but it just looks different for the genders. Jerome, I see you laughing already. Would you also like to add something as well? I, all I have to add is actually everything everybody said was right on point. Um, if I could just add anything, just, just to what Selena said, I, one thing I've noticed is just the manner in which we communicate. Um, men, not all the time, not all the time. Uh, you can ask my wife, I've been whipped into shape. I know how to communicate. They rhyme. Uh, but with men, we tend to be brief and to the point. We don't put a lot of detail into things. We just get right to the point. Even though your, your partner, your spouse, your girlfriend, what have you, asks you a question, yes, she wants you to answer. But sometimes with women, when they communicate, they want to spend time with you. They want you to talk. They want you to elaborate. So what I've seen, especially over the pandemic, I've heard a lot of women who come in and say, well, we just, we don't talk. And the guy's like, we, we don't go anywhere. We haven't been anywhere. All we do is talk. I don't want to talk anymore. And she says, well, you don't want to say anything. He says, I'm a horse. I can't, I have lost my voice. I talk to you every day. But she says, well, you don't, you don't tell me anything that means anything. And, and we get confused, meaning you want to talk about a specific topic. Yes, she wants to talk about a topic, but she just wants to be able to spend time with you. She wants to talk with you, communicate, try to find a way to communicate in her way, a la love languages, as you alluded to earlier. Um, try to find a way to communicate in multiple ways because everybody's different. But just because you're different doesn't mean you can't learn how to communicate like your partner needs and wants and deserves. Awesome, thank you very much. And for, for all the participants, if you have not researched it, please research the five love languages. Um, it is physical touch, words of affirmation, receiving gifts, acts of, uh, acts of kindness, right? Acts of service and, um, and quality time. So make sure that you, if you haven't, check it out because you never know, maybe you have two different love languages and you just haven't really expressed them to each other. So thank you very much for all those. I do want to ask a question. Um, with, with the way things are now, like over half of relationships now are more like set up like online dating. So I wanted to ask, when it comes to online dating relationships versus organic or like matchmaker relationships, 
Um, do you find one of them to be stronger than the other? Or uh, like, what, were, what are some of the major differences you have found? You can go ahead, Reverend Johnson. I don't think there's any rules to those engagements. We, we are evolving into a time that there's online, there's organic, there's people. Wherever you can find yourself to meet someone that can mean something to you, um, I would always say from a perspective, start it out from a, a friendship point of view, just have a conversation, whether you found them on Instagram, social media, online dating, or just organically in the mall, just start off just talking to, to someone without an agenda first. And just the fact find about who that person is and what they're all about. There's no real rules to the engagement or one is better, in my opinion, I should say, that one is better than the other. Thank you. Thank you. I have to say, uh, either way it goes, organic or online or social media, what have you, uh, either way it goes, you have to meet the person. So when you do meet them, there's, there's no rush. It's not a race. Your goal is to, like the Reverend said, find out as much about this person as you can. You already know about you. Your, your job is not to know about you. Your job is to learn this person. Try to learn all their likes, but please try to learn their dislikes. Because those are the things that are really going to cultivate that relationship going forward. Everybody can say what they like. As we say, everybody wears a dress to the prom and a nice suit. But the next day, you got to take it back. And you got to wear your regular clothes. That's when she or he's going to see what you're really all about. So it doesn't matter where you meet or how you meet. Just take your time and make sure that this is the kind of person that you want to be with, the type of person you enjoy spending time with, and the person if you want to take that leap. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask uh, another question, unless Dr. Thomas has something you want to add on. Okay, so I actually want to, I want to ask you first, and then I'm going to lead it to everyone else. But um, you did mention something that, that actually brought up a point. You said a lot of people sometimes try to rush into, you know, a marriage or a relationship, they may think that their clock may be, you know, running out, or maybe they were in a relationship before that may have not worked. So for a per what would be the message that you would have for a person who has had a failed, a quote unquote failed relationship, or has, you know, either had a marriage that hasn't worked or has had trouble, you know, finding like the one. So I want to start off with you, Dr. Thomas, what message would you have for somebody who feels that they may have had a failed relationship? We all have failures. Um, failures are your best teachers in life, whether it's failing in a business, failing at something, you know, you didn't teach your child, failing in your relationship. You'll never learn what you need to know unless there's some sort of failure. You learn the best things when there's failure. Um, and I always tell people when a relationship fails, do not rush into the next relationship. There are a lot of reasons why people don't enjoying, don't enjoy being alone. A lot of those reasons go back to childhood. A lot of those things have to do with attachment issues, things that involve a parent, maybe a father who wasn't in their life. Maybe it was a mother who wasn't in their life. Maybe they both were in their lives, but they weren't loving. And so sometimes people are seeking that from their significant other. They're seeking that through dating. And that causes them to jump from relationship to relationship. But if you spend time getting to know yourself first and understanding what some of your challenges are and loving yourself first and being comfortable being alone, a lot of people cannot stand to be alone. And if you don't want to be alone with yourself, how can you expect someone else to want to spend time with you? So you have to love yourself, be able to spend time with yourself, entertain yourself, become good at entertaining yourself and loving yourself and learning how to laugh. And then what seemed like a failure really becomes triumphant. And you realize that relationship wasn't meant for me. I didn't need to be in that relationship. And the last thing I'll say is never, ever, ever force anything, including don't force a relationship. If it's a lot of work, in the beginning, it's not meant for you. I promise you. Awesome. Thank you. Anybody else would like to, to add to that as well? Um, when it comes to, um, and I, 
I don't want to use the term failed marriages, but um, marriages that dissolved, that didn't work out. Um, I would definitely uh, like to echo Dr. Delvina's point and um, just it being it being a learning experience, you know, um, and just, again, not rushing and then thinking about, um, you know, what, what were some of the things that I don't want to take going forward? What are some things that I would like to incorporate going forward? So it's really a time to really get to know yourself, get to know what you want. Um, I, I would, uh, absolutely encourage, um, people who are recently, um, separated or divorced to not rush into it. Um, and again, that gives you time to address um, whatever individual issues um, that may have arise or come up. And you can work through those and then you can really start to learn to enjoy yourself. So yeah, just echoing her. Thank you. Thank you. You want to ask something also, Dr. Uh, Reverend Johnson? I would say that um, failure is not, our, um, is not our enemy. Of course, it's our teacher. You know, and um, for those who've had dissolved relationships and um, been in, been separate, divorced, um, one of the things I would say is that there is continuous hope. You know, um, you know, it won't always be like this. There may have been a child. There have, may have been emotional pain. Separation is taking place. All type of things is happening whenever you split from someone, and you go through a moment where I truly believe that there needs to be healing. Healing will not take place in seven days. Neither will it, I, can I put a time scale on it that'll happen in 12 months. Everyone deals with their healing process on a different level. But one thing I would say is while you're healing, do not try to complicate the situation and bring somebody else in the mix of getting into another relationship, especially if they're trying to heal themselves. You know, two people trying to heal is going to be a disaster because both individuals are probably leaking emotional wound, uh, uh, you know, I mean, situations and circumstances from um, what they have gone through. And it's not about damaging your life again and damaging theirs. If it, I think during that time, it's to have a moment of reflection to see what could I have done better? What direction could I have take, taken? You know, am I rushing too too much? Am I going to even going too slow in the situation? Different aspects of just looking on um, the complete spectrum as to what can be done. Um, because the one thing I realize, it doesn't matter who you are, self-reflection is very important, whether you're divorced or even if you're married. It's very important to move forward effectively. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So we're getting ready to go ahead and switch over to the audience. Uh, questions, but I wanted to ask if in, in maybe just a handful of words, what would be your advice uh, to, for a marriage that's looking to keep the spark alive? In a few words, what is like, what would you, what would you say? I want to go for all of you or whoever wants to. Um, a few things. Um, first, um, have an awareness of what the spark is or was to begin with. What was it that drew me to you? What was that uh, connection, that intensity that we had when we first started. So having that awareness so that we don't lose it. Um, so I think that that's really helpful. Um, but also um, there are things that dim the spark, right? And so just making sure that we don't become complacent. You know, we are our best selves in the beginning of a relationship. And so once we kind of get comfortable and settled, um, we tend to just not do those things that um, we did initially. So just making sure that we are um, not becoming complacent, um, making sure that we are intentionally uh, intimate with one another. And again, that is just what are the ways that we connect, um, remembering and expressing gratitude. What, what, what made me want to, um, or what made you want to ask, um, will you marry me? You know, what, what were the characteristics or qualities that you possessed? What was it that made you say, I do? What is, what were the qualities and characteristics that your partner possessed? So remembering those things um, and just kind of echoing um, what uh, uh, Jerome was saying, just thinking about how that young love 
making sure that, you know, it's fun and that we're just continuing to learn and explore and just be interested in one another. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and open up the, uh, the floor for the rest of the questions. And then if we have more time, we'll come right back over to you all with, with some more advice. So do we have any questions from the audience? Do we have anything from online too? All right. Is that what is written down here or is there different ones? Okay, awesome. So go ahead and read me the questions. And then you guys can answer them and then we'll go over to some of the onlines as well. Go ahead. Okay, well, this one is for the Reverend directly to him. What do you do when um, you have two couples and they don't have the same source, spiritual sources. How do you center the spiritual source if one believe in God and one does not? How do you center that God in the middle? It's a very nice question. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I've, I've been in a situation um, in several times, I would say, that where there would be one who believes in God, one who doesn't, one and then I've been in a place where both couples had some type of a faith, but they were totally two different religions. And um, it's very challenging to really um, to really give effective um, advice to individuals who have two different faiths or two different beliefs, because I truly believe the institution of marriage is built on a certain foundation of you being one. Being one is a key. Um, the, the, the most I could, the most, the best advice I usually could explain to them is as much as possible. If they have kids, you know, I mean, do things in, in representation for the best for the children. Um, or I would say, continue to be in a place where your love remains strong, because I noticed that when they get into religious conversations, which that will happen, if it doesn't happen in the best part of their of when they first get married, it will definitely happen when they have children. You know, that that's one of the biggest essence. Where will they be um, christened, baptized, or where what's going to take place? And usually there ends up being a falling out and sometimes to the essence of divorce. But I but at the same time, there's some couples who they both did not have any religion, but one finds a religion while they're married. Those um, those relationships most likely at times find themselves still ticking along because they kind of have a reflection and a remembrance of why they got married in the beginning. And yes, there might be some tension, but sometimes not enough to split them up. So answering the question, the best thing that I could tell them is just keep on loving one another. Thank you. I relate the message. I'm gonna, I, I have an online one and then I'm going to go back to you. Okay, really sure. Quick. So, Dr. Thomas, um, this question says, after being married for 20 years, my partner is not engaging in the private area. What should I do? I don't want to assume that you've already spoken to your partner. But the first thing is to have the conversation, to have the difficult conversation. It's a difficult one for folks to have, but you have to do it. And when we have these difficult conversations, don't expect change right away. Oftentimes, these topics require subsequent conversations, follow-up, several discussions. And if you still can't get through to that, to that person, then I would encourage them to go to couples counseling together because there may be an underlying issue that your spouse is experiencing. Maybe that person finds it difficult to, to mention. There, there could be anything going on. It could be something from their past. It could be something that they may have seen in the spouse's phone or on the computer that they're not saying. So there's so many different reasons why um, your spouse could, you know, have reduced libido or lose interest in the bedroom. We have the conversation and involve a mental health professional if necessary. Awesome. Thank you very much, Dr. Thomas. We have another question from the audience. Go ahead, Jillian. Yes, I do. Okay. So how, how do you know, how do you end a silent treatment? How do you end silent treatment? Silent treatment. Jerome, you want to take this one? How do you end a silent treatment? Oh, I, yeah. Um, I, I, I would say just yell at them. Uh, I, well, uh, that's being serious. So the funny response would actually be, um, all kidding aside, I, I would hope that 
this silent treatment came from a particular issue or problem. So we've talked about communication up here a lot since we started. Um, you need to go and have some time with your partner, be able to get to a place, sit down over a date night, what have you, and figure out, you know, what issues or issue led to this particular type of treatment. Um, a lot of people go through this at times. It's, it's, it's a defense mechanism more than often anything else. Somebody's upset, their feelings are hurt, they're unappreciated, they're not validated. And sometimes we as individuals, male and female, when we don't get our needs met, instead of voicing that or being able to express it, we regress, we pull back. And if you really look at that, I'm not getting my needs met. You're not listening to me. You're not talking to me. You're not cultivating me, what have you. So instead of telling you, I'm going to withdraw. Well, that's going to cause more of the problem. So if we can get to a point as couples, as individuals, as people, that when you don't feel like you're being cultivated, when you don't feel like your, your needs are being met or you're being understood, try to find a way to verbalize it. You know, if it's a, if it's a love note in the bathroom, hey, can we talk, you know, after work or maybe over breakfast, over dinner, what have you, playing out somewhere with the kids, just try to find that time and space to where you can express to that person, listen, I'm, I'm, I have an issue with what happened or took place, so can we talk about it? I just want to add something very briefly to that. You you asked us, what do you do in a relationship to, to keep it going? And it's really three things. The first thing is to be nice. And so if you're always thinking about being nice, both of you, both be nice. Um, being argumentative, being nasty, being rude, the silent treatment, things like that, it doesn't do anything for the relationship. It tears it down. So being nice, having grace, being forgiving, and having fun. If you keep those fundamentals in your relationship, it's hard for you to go wrong. Okay, so I have the question from the audience from this couple. Taking into consideration that my wife is a talker and I am a straight to the point, get to the point. What are some tactics for meeting each other halfway? Um. I, I, I love the idea of first, um, if it's necessary, explore what's underneath that. You know, it could just be that's the core of who you are. You know, I lose attention really quickly, you know, really understanding that. But also I would I would invite you both to do what's called intentional listening. And so what that means is that one of you speaks and you would be the listener, right? And so just really just try to engage, really just listen and listen to her heart and listen to what she's trying to just, you know, really being present with her and really explore how that feels for you. You know, is it uncomfortable? Am I bored? You know, is this not interesting? Um, but really try just and doing it both ways. You know, you speak and then, you know, uh, allow your wife some time to, uh, to listen as well. Um, again, um, I think Dr. Delvina mentioned it, you know, we, we're, some of us are really good at speaking and none of us, some of us don't really want to hear and things like that. So just um, practicing validation, you know, um, oh, what I heard you say was, oh, well, it sounds like you're, you know, frustrated or upset. So just being present with her and that is really a great connecting tool um, and just really and try it in small doses, you know, <laughs> so don't, don't do it for like an hour straight, maybe just three minutes or and then work your way up. If that makes any sense. Awesome. Thank you. Clarify. I I'm referring to the other way around where I'm short and she wants me to talk more as opposed to the listening point. So that's what I wanted to clarify, uh, to understand more about myself, how to express yeah. verbally express um really it's it's really about are you can you hear me oh it's really about just addressing is that are you a verbal expressor like do you are you able to verbally express in other scenarios, you know, with your family, with your coworkers and things like that? If you are able to do that, then you're you're probably able to do it um, with your partner. And just again, I'm, I'm really into getting to what's underneath that. And um, this may go along the lines of attachment. But, you know, how did you get so good at not being able to speak? 
you know, and just thinking about that and how does it feel for you when you are asked to speak more, you know, just kind of really get into the root of that. And then if you want to learn how to verbally express, then you, you'll first get to the root and then just kind of um, expound upon anything, you know, even if we're talking about the sun, you know, oh, the sun is beautiful. The sun is this and just, oh, well, I feel this way. And I had a memory about, so you could always kind of, you know, explore, explore and expound upon anything that you're talking about, but getting to the root of um, why it's difficult in the first place is a, is a good place to start because healthy relationships are one of my uh, fellow colleagues uh, mentioned that healthy relationships are about respect and choice and that's marriage or um, outside of marriage and so just really you know ex- exploring that and just looking at and making sure that you feel safe enough to you know speak more and things of that nature I hope that makes sense thank you Thank you. Very clear. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So I do we have anything else? I know that we're I'll be honest with you guys. I was having so much fun with with the topics and I down and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's 824. So I know we have, you know, time flies when you're having fun. So I just want to first and foremost, thank you all. So can we all give our panelists a round of applause? And I just want to remind you all, if you have your commitment card still in front of you and you have not filled it out, I ask you to please, please fill it out. Um, I'm sure that some of you here or all of you here were touched at one point or another by what was being said. And here at Be Strong, that's one of the things that we love doing. One of the main things we've been talking about is healthy relationships. And that is part of our motto, healthy relationships, driving families and stronger communities. So please, please find it in your heart, any way that you can help us, whether it's a monetary donation, referring a couple to us, referring your organization. All right, this is definitely changing lives. Be Strong has been around South Florida for going on 30 years now. And we've been serving not just youth, but parents. And now we're also serving marriages. I myself have been working with Be Strong for um, going on three years now. And Be Strong has not only helped me with my communication, but also with my financial, uh, my mentality, with my financial literacy. And now I will be graduating tomorrow from Marriage Matters as well. So a lot of the things that you have been seeing are actually echoing a lot of the things that has been covered in um, in Marriage Matters. So I want to thank everybody. All right. I really appreciate you guys listening and paying attention to this. Even if you had to shut it down and come back, I understand. It's all good. I get it. Um, you you listened. So that's great. I'm glad that you were able to sit through it, whether you're on your Peloton listening, whether you're in your car, whether you're on the train, whether you're on the plane, whatever it is. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate all of the support during this last year and some months. I really appreciate you guys. So I hope you did learn some some gems. Um, I believe we were dropping some gems during this panel and I just want you guys to learn things. I want you to learn and grow. Thank you again for being on tonight. I appreciate it. Or if you're listening in the morning or on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday, always remember brain love. So guys, I just wanted to remind you about ways to follow me because they have changed. Facebook has not been kind to me. The ways have changed. So I am still on Instagram as Dr. Delvina, D-R-D as in Delta, E-L, V as in Victor, E-N-A. I no longer have a Twitter for Dr. Delvina, and I no longer have a professional Facebook page for Dr. Delvina as Twitter actually unpublished my page some months ago because of some sort of infringement rights. And Facebook unpublished my page because of a picture I posted in my story. So you can please follow me on Facebook at The Brain Love Podcast. The Brain Love Podcast is on Facebook. There's a Facebook page for it. And on Twitter, you can follow my office, DRT Brain Love. So, um, yeah. That's how you can follow me. And, of course, I'm on YouTube, Dr. Delvina Thomas. You just type in DR and then Delvina Thomas. Again, D as in Delta, E-L, V as in Victor, E-N-A, T-H-O-M-A-S, spelled the slave way. And uh, my website is drdelvina.help. So D-R, Delvina, dot H-E-L-P. And feel free to send me an email if you have any questions regarding an episode or if you want me to talk about a a specific topic or subject, email me at info, I-N-F-O, 
at Dr. Delvina, doctor is abbreviated, D-R-D-E-L-V-E-N-A dot help, H-E-L-P. All right, guys, remember, brain love. It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need It's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs. Know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations. Limit your expectations of yourself. Ownership. Own your mistakes. Learn from them and move on. Vengeance is not yours. It's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication. Don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love.